There'd been no suicides so far. My father believed that anything done for pleasure was escapism, except, of course, when it came to seducing his secretaries and most of my mother's friends. He and my mother had been a glamorous couple early in their marriage. Good looks, combined with assertive taste-making, had put them on top in our shabby little city. Then I came along, and mother thought I'd hung the moon. In dad's view... I put an end to the big romance. When I was a toddler, Dad caught Mom in the arms of our doctor on the screened back porch of the doctor's fish camp, though there must have been some ambivalence about the event because we continued to accept perch fillets from Dr. Hudson's pond. A few years later, when the high school P.E. teacher caught the doctor atop his bride and shot him, Mother cried while Dad tilted his head to the side, elevated his eyebrows, and remarked, Live by the sword, die by the sword. As an only child, I was the sole recipient of my parents' malignant parenting. Their drinking took place entirely in the evening and followed a rigid pattern. With each cocktail, they became increasingly thin-skinned, bristling at imaginary slights. When I was young, they occasionally tried to throw me into the middle of their fights. I don't believe this. She actually bit me. But I developed a suave detachment. The band-aids are in the cupboard behind the towels. In a real crisis, my mother brought in our neighbor, Zoe Constantine, for consolation. Unaware that Pop had been making the two-backed beast with Zoe since I was in fifth grade, which happened to be the same year that my mother superglued Dad to the toilet seat. So perhaps she had her suspicions. I asked about her now, not without anxiety. She's in bed with a bottle and the poems of Edna St. Vincent Millay, my father said. He was proud of this remark. I'd heard it before. Although my mother read a lot, she was never in bed with a bottle. Most likely, she was out playing golf with her friend Bernadine from the typing pool over at Ajax. My mother comes from a southern family, though she's always lived in the north and she has a tiny private income that has conditioned the dialogue since my childhood. Like a bazillion others of Southern origin, she is a remote beneficiary of some Atlanta pharmacist's ingenuity, Coca-Cola. Not a big remittance, but enough to fuel Dad's rage against entitlement. That money had much to do with his determination to keep my mother within sight of smokestacks all her life, as did his belief that everything outside the Rust Belt was fake. To him... The American dream was a 350-pound interior lineman from a bankrupt factory town with five-second forties, a long contract with the Colts, and a bonus for making the Pro Bowl. In the morning, we went out to my job site, and I felt happy at once. Everything there seemed to buoy my spirits. The caked mud on the tires of a carpenter's truck, the pleasant oily smell of tools, the cool wind coming through the sage on the hill, a screaming skill saw already at work, the smell of newly cut two-by-fours, a nail gun going off in the basement, three thermoses on an unfinished ledge. The doctor who'd hired me wanted a marshy spot behind the house excavated for a pond, and I had my Nicaraguan, Angel, out there with a backhoe, trying to find the spring down in the mud so that we could plumb it, and spread some bentonite to keep the water from running out. So far, all we'd found was mud and buffalo skulls, which Angel was piling to one side. 
I told Dad that this had once been a trap made by Indians, but he wasn't all that interested. He was drawn to the Nicaraguan, whom he considered someone real on a machine. Despite the heavy Central American accent, Dad had found his Rust Belt guy out here among all the phonies and cowboy hats, and Angel was equally attracted to Dad's all-purpose warmth. He slid back his ear protectors and settled in for a chat. Evidently, I'd had a flat tire as I pulled up to the site, left front, and it was a motherfucker getting the spare out of a three-quarter-ton Ford, the Ford jacked up on the soft ground and the whole muddy wheel into the bed to take to town. At the tire shop, Dad looked weird in his slacks and loosened tie, amid all the noise from impact wrenches and the compressors screaming and shutting down, but nobody seemed to notice. He gazed admiringly at the big rough kid in a skullcap running a pry bar around the rim and freeing up the tire.